0: I am back, so we're going to continue in our Jeremiah study. And Jeremiah chapter 31 is where we left off last time. We went as far as verse 15, so you can get your Bibles ready. And uh, this really, this chapter really is the heart of uh, the book of Jeremiah. And I'm excited to be in this chapter once again. Before we get back into our study of Jeremiah, just a couple quick announcements. I want to remind those of you who have youth, that there is no youth activity this weekend. Uh, Luke and Ashley have been doing uh, youth uh, groups this summer, and they will resume after this weekend. Uh, they will then uh, have youth group that will be meeting once again. So they're out of town for this weekend, and uh, they are going to be back. And in the middle schoolers are meeting on Saturday night, high schoolers on Friday nights, I believe that is the 14th and the 15th of August. Friday will be high schoolers, 6 to 8, middle schoolers on Saturday, 6 to 8 o'clock here at the church. They had a wonderful high school retreat. Again, I want to thank you all of you who prayed for the kids, and they were touched deeply. It was a lot of fruit that came from that and a lot of blessings. So we want to continue to minister to the kids as well as we're heading towards... uh, find ourselves in august and we're heading towards september uh, i just want to remind you that we are going to be looking at uh, bringing services back inside on labor day weekend in the meantime we're out in the backyard and we're going to continue 8 30 and 10 30. we're going through the book of matthew so got another wonderful study this sunday bring a lawn chair bring an umbrella Uh, it continues to be a warm summer and uh, we're going to be out there in the backyard we got a little bit of shade but you might want to bring an umbrella as well to help you uh, with the shade we do have seating in the sanctuary i want to remind you of that uh, and it's comfortable and plenty of seating and we have social distancing and in the, in the chairs spread out and also in the coffee shop so don't let the backyard if you're thinking i can't sit out in the sun it's too much is too hot uh, come in here and come in the sanctuary come in the coffee shop and we'll be happy to accommodate you in that way come september we're looking at getting children's ministry the kids back in the classrooms nursery open and we'll have the details on that please pray for us because we want to continue to minister to your children and have a place for them we want to do it safely responsibly And we are working very hard and putting those measures in and getting teachers uh, in line. And we'll get you the information on that, how that's all going to look as we get towards Uh, The middle and the end of August when we start Labor Day weekend, bringing everybody inside. But uh, I just appreciate many of you who have said you've enjoyed the outdoor services and it's worked well. There's uh, plenty of space Uh, being outside. uh, People feel a little safer uh, this summer and being outside. So we're going to pray that this COVID, this pandemic that has caused all of us, uh, all of us to adapt and be patient and, and to endure Uh, that it will begin to decline and go away. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray uh, for a lot of things. We're praying for you as you're making decisions. I know that uh, the schools are uh, trying to decide exactly what to do. Every school district is different. And so we're praying for your kids, and we're praying for those who are teachers as well because we have a number of teachers here at Calvary Chapel. I'm so grateful for Christian teachers Uh, that are in our schools and being a light. And we want to pray for you, and I know that uh, you are all having to uh, be patient as well as uh, the administration is making decisions, and we're praying for you, and we're thinking about you. Also, for you who perhaps need help in getting uh, some school supplies, please let us know. And on Sunday, there'll be a table there that you can let them know there. It's kind of our information table uh, that you could use some certificates. We're getting gift certificates for you to be able to go by Walmart. I'm not sure exactly where it is and get the supplies that you need. And even if uh, they're doing online this beginning of the school year, you still need supplies and things like that. So we want to be a blessing and help in any way that we can. In the meantime, look at your e-bulletin. You should be getting that. If you don't have an e-bulletin, please let us know. We'll help you download uh, the app, Calvary Chapel Greeley app, that's available for your phones and for your tablets. Also, we have all the information as well on our webpage, Calvary Chapel Greeley. .org. Many of you are listening that are tuned in to our online services uh, on that. Also, um, we just want to make sure that you have that app where all that information is available for you. So technology is wonderful. We just need to m- make sure that you know some of you, if you need help in downloading it, give us a call. Pastor Jim or Travis will be glad to talk to you. And I believe there is an instructions on how to do that as well that we put up um, so it's easy to do. And straightforward. Um, Everything else, we're continuing to pray and continuing to move forward. I'm excited what the Lord's going to have for us, and and I believe that he wants to continue to bless and minister uh, to us, and he wants to minister his word here tonight. So, Father, we ask as we move back into the book of Jeremiah, it's an incredible Old Testament book, and we pray that you would bless uh, the study, that you would touch our hearts, because This really, chapter 31, is the heart of the book of Jeremiah. It really tells us of your faithfulness and your love towards us, your faithfulness to us, Lord. Your word is true. And I pray that uh, we would just be touched in a very deep way as we go over these verses, knowing that your word is true for us today in the situations that we find ourselves or the uncertainty that is all around us. One thing is certain. That is your love for us and your word given to us, your promises. We ask that you would just uh, teach us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book of Jeremiah, if you've been with us in our study of Jeremiah, you know that uh, Jeremiah has been ministering right before the house of Judah goes off into captivity by the Babylonians. We know that the religious leaders have been giving false hope to the people, a false message, the false prophets have been on the scene telling the people they don't have anything to worry about, that God's not going to uh, deal with the house of Judah or bring judgment. Matter of fact, even when the captivity began, and keep in mind that historically when we talk about the house of Judah going into captivity by the Babylonians, that there is three deportations. There were three waves of captivity, if you would. It began in 605 B.C. That's when the 70 years of captivity would begin. And we know that Jeremiah prophesied that 70 years, you're going to be off into captivity from 605 B.C. And then in 536 B.C., when Cyrus and the Medes and the Persians would defeat the Babylonian Empire, then Cyrus, who Isaiah prophesied is God's servant, would make a decree that they could come back from the captivity and they would be able to rebuild the temple. And Jerusalem was a mess. It laid in rubble. It had been destroyed. So 605 B.C., Daniel and the choice men of Judah were taken off into captivity, Daniel would be serving in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar, and there he's prophesying and being used of God. We know that a second deportation, or a second wave of captivity... What happened in 597 B.C. when Ezekiel was taken off, and then he begins to prophesy. He has an incredible book as he is given the word of the Lord to the people and to the leaders as well. And we also know that Jehoiakim would be taken off, the king, to uh, captivity as well. The last 12 years uh, before Jerusalem is destroyed, Zedekiah is on the scene. He is the king. And Zedekiah would rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. So in 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar said, that's it. And he comes into Jerusalem and destroys the magnificent temple, Solomon's temple. He destroys Jerusalem. And, and so that was part of the, the captivity that happened, uh, all those things historically. And Jeremiah, even before they would go off into captivity, he began his reign. IN THE REIGN OF JOSIAH. JOSIAH, AS YOU KNOW, IF YOU'VE BEEN FOLLOWING WITH US OR YOU'VE DONE YOUR OWN STUDY IN THE OLD TESTAMENT, HE WAS THE LAST OF THE GODLY KINGS IN JUDAH. AND HE ENDED UP BEING KILLED IN ABOUT 609 B.C., SO ABOUT FOUR YEARS BEFORE THEY WOULD BEGIN TO GO OFF into CAPTIVITY. AND JEREMIAH HAD BEEN PROPHESYING, EVEN DURING THE REIGN OF JOSIAH, THAT YOU NEED TO TURN BACK TO THE LORD and even though in the reign of Josiah there was reforms that happened Josiah was a godly king and a book of the law was found when he gave the order to clean the temple up that was a mess his grandfather Manasseh had brought in the idols and everything and closed off the temple well Josiah he heard the word of the law being read to him that book that was found in the temple HE TORE HIS CLOTHES, HIS HEART WAS QUICKENED, AND HE BEGAN REFORMS. HE WOULD RESTORE TEMPLE WORSHIP AND uh, THE SACRIFICES. HE GOT RID OF THE IDOLS. AND HE WOULD ALSO INSTITUTE THE PASSOVER ONCE AGAIN. BUT IDOL WORSHIP, BECAUSE OF Manasseh, HIS GRANDFATHER, uh, WHO RULED FOR 55 YEARS, HAD PLUNGED THE NATION DEEP, DEEP INTO IDOL WORSHIP, DEEP, DEEP INTO OCCULTIC KINDS OF PRACTICES, to where they were even sacrificing their children on the arms of Moloch in the Gehenna Valley. So that was still in them. That was instilled in them. There was reforms. Certainly men like Daniel and his three friends that went off to Babylon, they had a heart for God. There was fruit that came out of it. But for the most part, it was in pretense. uh, In other words, they were going through the motion. And as soon as Josiah died up in the valley of Megiddo by the king of Egypt, they plunged right back into idol worship. And they began to follow the dictates of their evil hearts They were worshiping false gods. They were giving themselves over to a false hope. They were listening to a false message of the religious leaders that were saying nothing's going to happen to Jerusalem. Everything's going to be okay. And even when they began to go off into captivity, they said that Nebuchadnezzar is going to be done in a couple years. Everybody's going to come back in just a few years. It's going to be all fine. Uh, And we know that Jeremiah says, don't listen to them. And he would write a letter to the Lord, using Jeremiah, as he would speak the word of the Lord to them, write a letter to the captives, and thus says the Lord, it's going to be 70 years is going to be the captivity. And so you need to plant gardens, you need to uh, take wives, you need to beget sons and daughters, uh, because you're going to be there for a while. You need to increase in the land and not diminish. AND YOU NEED TO SEEK THE PEACE OF THE CITY AS YOU'RE AWAY IN THE CAPTIVITY. AND DON'T FOLLOW THOSE WHO ARE PROPHESYING FALSELY, BUT 70 YEARS ARE COMPLETED AT BABYLON, AND THEN I WILL VISIT YOU. IN OTHER WORDS, I'M NOT DONE WITH YOU. I'M GOING TO BRING YOU BACK FROM THAT CAPTIVITY, AND I KNOW MY THOUGHTS TOWARDS YOU, are THOUGHTS OF PEACE AND NOT OF EVIL, TO GIVE YOU A FUTURE AND A HOPE. AND YOU SEE, AS WE NOW MOVE INTO CHAPTERS 30-33, through 33, IT'S A SECTION OF JEREMIAH, that is called the section of consolation. In other words, Jeremiah has been given a heavy message of there's judgment that is coming, destruction. Don't rebel, Zedekiah, against Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Zedekiah tried to get uh, the leaders of Ammon and, and Moab and the other leaders, the surrounding Countries around Israel, let's form together this alliance and maybe we can have this coup against Nebuchadnezzar and overthrow him. And Jeremiah comes to them and says, Don't do that. You're going to be under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, it's going to be a yoke of iron, and you are going to be submitted to him. As long as you do that and not rebel against him, the city won't be destroyed. But if you do rebel, The city's going to be leveled, and it's going to be death and devastation and destruction like you've never seen before. Well, Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, and and Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed Jerusalem. So even though the prophecies have been given that you're going to come back from the captivity, we see that Jeremiah—and that's what I love about God's Word. God's Word tells us that sin is going to be judged— God's Word tells us that the wicked are going to be separated from him for those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that all of us, because we have sinned, that death has come to us. The wages of sin is death. But God doesn't leave us in a hopeless state. He didn't leave his people in a hopeless state. There is hope. You're going to come back from the captivity, that I I see you, I'm not done with you, And you're going to come back, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I'm still your future and hope, but you have rebelled so much that you're going to have to go off into captivity. And, And they would, and they would come back, and they wouldn't fall into that idol worship like they had before. But we also know that the Lord speaks about a time, and in this consolation that he's given to them or comfort to the nation, Uh, we know that we have comfort because he didn't leave us without any hope, did he? He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And there are many people that are around us that perhaps you're talking to even today that see what's going on in the world around us and they feel like they're being held captive. They're being held captive by the COVID uh, pandemic, by the restrictions. Am I able to go back to school? I've been isolated. We're hearing from young people. We haven't been in school since March, and now we've got to stay at home again. Maybe you feel like that you're being held captive because of circumstances, or whatever the case may be. The Lord says that I'm your future and your hope. And we have hope because Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for our sins. He took the judgment that you and I deserve on the cross of Calvary. He rose from the grave. He's alive. And we get to give that news to others that the Lord loves you and he died for you and he dies, desires for you to be forgiven. And as we go over these, these chapters, we've, we went again, we looked at chapter 30, uh, we've halfway through chapter 31, the Lord begins to prophesy about he's going to restore Israel. But in these prophecies, that he's not just talking about a near fulfillment, he's talking about a future fulfillment. And that's one of the neat things about when you go through the book of Isaiah, who was on the scene before Jeremiah, and the book of Jeremiah, in their prophecies, there would be near fulfillments. Uh, You're going to come back from a captivity from Babylon. But then they would also speak of a time when there's a future fulfillment, a time where God's going to restore all of Israel and his restoration is going to be complete. And as we began to look at chapter 31, that we know that it's linked to the end of chapter 30 that says, in the latter days you will consider it. So this is a consideration in the latter days. And we know that God has given his prophecy that there's going to be a day when he's going to restore Israel. And they're going to go through turmoil just as they go through turmoil in the captivity. But I'll bring you back. But here he's talking about Jacob's trouble in chapter 30. And we know as we look at the prophetic picture and promises that are given to us in the scriptures, that there is going to be a time of tribulation that Israel will go through. Here's the thing to always remember about end-time prophecy, and as we consider the latter days, these prophecies are are about Israel being restored when the Lord comes back and he establishes his kingdom and he restores Israel. We know that is yet future. They will go through a time of turmoil that is seven years called the tribulation period. That is given to us in details in chapters 6 through 19 of the book of Revelation We looked at that last year on Wednesday night in the book of Revelation. But we need to keep in mind that Israel becoming a nation again in 1948, that was very, very significant. It's absolutely amazing that uh, a group of people out of their original homeland for 2,000 years, and God brings them back like he said he would, plant them back into the land, begin to build those ancient cities that... That they once inhabited. And once they come in, as Amos says, they won't be plucked out again. And as they became a nation in 1948, 70 AD, here comes Rome, destroys Jerusalem, the Romans, and the second temple. They're dispersed throughout the world, and now they come back. They're a nation once again. And an absolute miracle that we see took place. And right before our eyes and and in our lifetime. And that began the end time clock. They began to tick. And we know that Israel being back into the land, that is very significant because Bible scholars and, and teachers of end time prophecy will say that was the super sign of the end times it began the clock and israel is considered the hour clock we're in the last hour jerusalem which is going to be a focus in the last days jerusalem will become a cup of trembling to all the nations we don't have time to go into it all tonight but that is the minute hand and then the temple mount where solomon's temple stood and where the second temple was that is the second hand and we're seeing news as, as our president would declare Jerusalem the capital of Israel. And it's becoming that cup of trembling, a lot of controversy. And I think we're going to see that continue as we even see news coming out from the Temple Mount because a third temple will be built. So, very significant that Israel has become a nation. Now, there are those we've discussed before that say Israel becoming a nation is just a coincidence that God is through with Israel, and we know that he has not cast them away. Matter of fact, the heart of this chapter is going to tell us that, that he has not cast away his people. Matter of fact, Paul would write in Romans chapter 11, has God cast away his people? He says, certainly not. And he talks about a future promise that a day is going to come when all of Israel will be saved. And even Jesus spoke about it as he wept over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right before his death. How I long, you know, the, the city that, uh, that stoned the prophets and, and killed the prophets. How I long to gather you to myself as the mother hens gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are not willing to come. And you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And at the end of that turmoil that they go through, Jacob's trouble that we read about, that, that there is none like it, and it's name at the time of the Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. That's that seven-year period, the tribulation period, where they will go through the fire, even as Zechariah says. And we also know that at the end of that seven-year period, that their eyes will be opened up. They will recognize that Jesus truly is their Mashiach. They will say, as Zechariah chapter 12 says, as they mourn the one who is pierced, where did you get those wounds and he will say i got these wounds in the house of my friends and then he will sit upon the throne of david he will restore the nation and the millennium reign will happen there are those today even in evangelical circles that say there is no millennium reign. they're all millennials all means no millennium well isaiah jeremiah uh, other scriptures that we can look at throughout the bible that talks about there will be a thousand reign. Uh, of Jesus Christ here on the earth and Israel's going to be restored. He's not through with his people. And so chapter 31, God is saying that there's going to be a time when the long years of turmoil are over and he's going to give them rest and God is motivated by his everlasting love for them and he is motivated for his love for you. It's going to be a time of joy, where when Israel is restored, she's going to pick up her tambourine and dance with joy. It'll be a time of peace and prosperity, and there will be a renewed commitment to the Lord. So just an incredible time when the Lord comes back, and he will gather his people f- for a final exodus. Now, since they've become a nation, the, the Jews have been pouring back into Israel. He's gathering them even now during this pandemic that planes from the United States are going back to Israel that have Jews that are saying, we're going to go to Israel, we're going to live there. We're not going to live in New York anymore. We're not going to live in the cities. And 250,000 immigrants have poured into Israel. And so we want to watch Israel because Israel is the focal point, is the emphasis of end-time prophecy. And we've talked about that before, and he's gathering his people. And we know that he will restore them. And as he restored them, it will be like a a well watered garden is that's where we end it so let's go into as he says and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness says the lord verse 15 of chapter 31 thus says the lord a voice was heard in ramah lamentation and bitter weeping rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more so ramah was located just only a few miles from jerusalem to the north And Rachel, you know Rachel, she had two sons. She is the wife of Jacob in the book of Genesis. And Rachel had two sons, uh, Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph, who ended up as much of the book of Genesis, focuses on Joseph. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. He has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. They become part of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Ephraim became a name for the 10 northern tribes up north uh, of, of, of the 10 northern tribes, the house of Israel. And also, Ephraim is spoken of, as we saw in this chapter, Ephraim is my firstborn, is, is a name of all of the house of Israel. But the 10 northern tribes taken off in 722 BC. Now, Benjamin, that tribe stayed with Judah to the south, being part of the house of Judah and they would be in the Babylonian captivity. And Rama was the staging area for the captives that were going off to Babylon. And the mothers would be weeping, lamentation. I mean, can you picture it? Can you picture it? All of a sudden, the Babylonians come in, there's death, there's devastation, destruction, and your children are taken off in a captivity never to see them again? never to 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 know perhaps what happened to them that's what happened with daniel and his three friends shadrach meshach and abednego that was their babylonian names daniel was only about 17 years old taken away from his family and here they are weeping for what was going on and and we also know as you read this you might think that well that verse sounds familiar well, in our Matthew study, it's the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 2. Let me read it to you. It's Remember when the wise men, Matthew chapter 2, talks about the event surrounding the birth of Jesus, and after the birth of Jesus, wise men from the east came. They came from that area of Babylon, and they come. Herod the Great, who is the king of Judea, was very upset that these guys are there wants to see them. They said, we come to worship the new king of Israel. And he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled, because they knew that Herod the Great, as we talked about, was a very paranoid individual. He would summon the religious leaders, saying, where is this Messiah of yours supposed to be born? In Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was the place where uh, Rachel would be buried. Matter of fact, when we go to Israel, that on the very southern end of Israel is the ramat uh, uh rachel uh, that is a, a, a kibbutz that's named after rachel and from there you look across the highway and you're looking at bethlehem very close to bethlehem very beautiful place kind of a rural area it's not that far only a quarter mile from the u.s embassy matter of fact right by there they just made a great discovery archaeological discovery that again that you can read about um, that is dated back to old testament time of a storehouse that was there in that area but it's very beautiful and there's cherry blossoms all around and you can walk and you can see bethlehem that's where rachel was buried that's of course where david was from Uh, that's where jesus was born that's where the story of ruth took place and on a clear day, usually you can't see uh, very far. Um, as you look down in the Jordan Valley where the Dead Sea is because of the evaporation. But I remember one day I was taking a walk early in the morning, and it happened to just be clear, and you can see the mountains of, of Moab. And that's where you know Ruth would come from and come to Bethlehem. It just comes alive. And, and here is this staging area, uh, of course, Uh, that they would weep, and then, of course, the massacre of the innocents of Herod found out from religious leaders that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And then in verse 18 of Matthew 2, you can kind of take notes, that it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation weeping in a great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more, because he made that decree to have the male children two years and under, you know, put to death. So it's a picture of, of, of babies in Bethlehem that ended up uh, being put to death because of Herod's uh, decree that was put there. You know, sin affects so many people. And I think this year has really emphasized how sin and upheaval and, and rebellion against God uh, affects so many people. It affects our families, doesn't it? But as we read here in continuing in verse 16, that we read um, that thus says, The Lord "Refrain your voice from weeping, and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. The Lord never leaves us without any hope. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus Christ, eternal life comes through him, the gift of eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we know that he's given them the promise that I'm your hope, there is a future, says the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own borders. And I just want to encourage you, parents, those of you who have children that perhaps are often in captivity by the world and the enemy. They, they've gone off, away from the Lord. You keep praying. You keep praying that Lord bring them back because the Lord, he wants to save individuals. He wants to save families. He desires for your kids to come back. Children that have left, pray that they'll come back to the Lord. And as we continue in verse 17, or 18, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me, and I was chastised. Like an untrained bull, restore me, and I will return. For you are the Lord my God. Surely after my turning, I repented. And after I was instructed, I struck myself on the thigh. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated, because I bore the reproach repro- of my youth. And so Israel would, could not believe how far they had transgressed. They were ashamed, they were humiliated. Listen, maybe you are thinking, my past... You're haunted by your past. And one of the things that happens with Christians is when they come to be a Christian and they know they're forgiven, but the Lord not only desires to forgive you and wash you clean, but he wants to take the humiliation and the shame and the guilt away as well. Put it all under the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind Paul, he he said, I was a waster of the church. I was violent i tried to seek my own righteousness but he said i don't let those things hinder me forgetting those things which are behind i press forward to the prize to the upward call of god in christ jesus and that's what you and i are to do put it under the blood of jesus christ and move forward in him and 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 that's what the lord is saying to them there's going to be that time that yes the the enemy comes along and he's the accuser the brethren who accuses us day and night But we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of testimony. The the Lord loves me. He's forgiven me. And as we continue, is Ephraim my dear son? He is a pleasant child. For though I spoke against him and speak in Ephraim, again, this uh, name of Israel, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. And I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. Set up signposts, make landmarks. Set your heart towards the highway, the way in which you went. Turn back, O virgin of Israel. Turn back to these, your cities. How long will you gad about, O you backsliding daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. And so even though they had sinned, God's love remained. And is true with you and with me. God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Now, in verse 22, a woman shall encompass a man. It's a difficult verse. People ask me, what does that mean? And probably the best idea that I have is that Israel, the woman, in Revelation chapter 12, Israel is called the woman, will seek her God. And perhaps that's what's being spoken of. But then he continues to speak about the future prosperity of his people. In verse 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, they shall again use this speech in the land of Judah and in its cities when I bring back their captivity. The Lord bless you, O home of justice and mountain of holiness. And so um, we know that uh, they uh, they lost their language, actually, uh, after the captivity when it took place, um, they would go off into captivity. The language in Jesus' day was primarily Greek and Aramaic. Uh, we know because of the Greek influence after the Medo-Persian came the Greeks. But when the Jews came back from their captivity from Babylon, they spoke Aramaic, and it was a real miracle. Hebrew was kind of a lost language, and He says, "I'm going to bring you back, and they shall again use this speech." And that's what's happened. That's been fulfilled and they are speaking hebrew once again all of of those living in israel speak hebrew is the national language many of them speak two or three languages they speak hebrew they speak aramaic and they also speak english a lot of them it's really quite amazing but after being out of their homeland for two thousand years of being dispersed once again they come back and they're speaking hebrew and and they're those who study language and And those kinds of things, they say it's an absolute miracle that that's happened and how quickly that it has happened. And it's an interesting read and study for another time. But there shall dwell in Judah itself and in all its cities together, farmers and those going out with flocks. For I have satiated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. After this, I awoke and looked around in my sleep, was sweet to me, so it seemed like a dream to Jeremiah. After all the words that he's been given of death and destruction, and and these visions and words are very comforting. And he says, "For I have satiated the weary soul." And maybe tonight, as you're listening to this teacher teaching, or whenever you're listening to it, that maybe you're wearied, and it would be Jesus, as we're going to see in Matthew's gospel. That stood up on a hillside and said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come learn in me, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he is your satisfaction. And please remember this that as we go through life and we get weary, and I know that some of you are weary. And we look for satisfaction and fulfillment and rest and so many different things, but it is truly found in Jesus Christ. And that's what satiated means, it's satisfied. Jesus said, come to me and eat of me and drink of me. Sweet fellowship, believe in me. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And as you do that, I am going to be the one that is going to fulfill your life. If you keep drinking of, of the water of the world, you're going to be thirsty again. But you come drink of me, of living water, you'll never thirst again. Come eat of the living bread that comes from heaven, you'll never hunger again. And great is the day when we realize that, when we make it our own, that, Lord, you're my satisfaction, that you're my rest, you're everything that I need. And that's what he says, that I have satiated the weary soul, replenished every sorrowful heart. If you're sorrowful, go to him and learn of him and yoke yourself with him. Believe on him. Eat of him and drink of him. Sweet fellowship with him is what it speaks of. And know that, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of men and the seed of beasts. And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to throw down, to destroy and to afflict, so I will watch over them to build and the plant, says the Lord In those days they shall no longer more say fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the the sour grapes' his teeth shall be set on edge. Interesting. No more will it be my father ate sour grapes, and that is the reason we behave like we do. And the Lord says everyone will be responsible for their own sin. You and I will stand before the Lord and give an account. And everyone is responsible for their sin. Now, I'm thankful that my sin is forgiven. Same with you that are a believer. And we're not going to stand before the great white throne judgment to be judged for our sins. Jesus took that judgment upon the cross. But those who have rejected Jesus, they will be judged for their own sin. And, And surely, you know, there are things around us that affect us, but God says you are responsible for your behavior. And it was even Ezekiel that wrote about this. Let me read it to you. Ezekiel, uh, as we read what he wrote in uh, Ezekiel chapter 18. What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on age? As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. So even Ezekiel was saying this proverb is to be heard no more in the land, that you are going to be responsible for your sin, and that's why it's really important. You see, we live in the most excuse and blame everybody else society that there's ever existed. And oftentimes, even Christians will blame this person or the devil or make excuses for sin rather than repent and turn to God and confess our sins. It's been going on ever since the beginning. Adam, did you eat of that tree? Adam, where are you? Well, uh, it's that wife you gave me. Making an excuse. Listen, if there's sin in your life, if there's carnality, confess it, repent, turn direction and turn to God. He's given everything to us that pertains to godliness in Christ Jesus. They give us the power to live for him and to live with joy. Not to make excuses. When I hear somebody says, well, you know, I know I did wrong, but it's their fault, you know, this circumstance. You know, is that boss? You know, that's why I got upset. Or, you know, making excuses. No, don't make excuses. Turn to the Lord. Say, help me, Lord. Forgive me. I'm going to truly repent of this and turn to you. Help me live for you. And then in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with the fathers in the day and that I took them by the hand and lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. This is the heart of the chapter. The Mosaic Law, the Mosaic Covenant, when it came to the mountain of God, God made a covenant with them. Follow after me, and and it'll be good. If you disobey me, uh, there's going to be judgment that's going to come to you. We've talked about it. They broke the Mosaic Law. They were given the law. It was all doomed for failure because it was partly based on the faithfulness of man. And the law doesn't make us righteous, we know that, but to show us that we're sinners in need of the Savior. Paul wrote that the law is the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ in the book of Galatians. When we come to Jesus, he will write his law. It's no longer just written on the tablets of stone. Now it's written on the tablets of our hearts. That's a better way. The new covenant, not just tablets of stone, that I will write my law, but on your hearts, it's a better way. He makes us a new creature in Christ. We obey out of love. Now, the ultimate fulfillment of this new covenant is in the millennium reign with Israel. But even though we, the church, we get the benefit of it now because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, in that night that that he broke bread with his disciples and instituted communion that we know that it was um, Jesus that said take eat my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and the cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me the new covenant that we're a part of because of what Jesus Christ did for us allowing his body to be broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sin and now he dwells in our hearts and in this new covenant we have a new heart he's going to write his will on our hearts That's verse 33 We have a new relationship. We know it's relationship to know him, to know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. And it also is a new life, because we are forgiven. Isn't that good news? We get to have that new covenant now. But it's going to come to Israel. It's going to be part of the restoration. But we have a new heart. We're a new creature in Christ. We have a new relationship. Reconciliation with the Father. And now we have the ministry of reconciliation. Giving the gospel to others. And then we have a new life because we are forgiven. We truly have life and life abundantly as Jesus promised. And then as we finish here tonight the chapter, thus says the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day, ordinance of the moon and the stars for light by night, who disturbs the seas and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts in his name, If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. And thus, says the Lord, if heaven can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all they have done, says the Lord. These are important verses. These may be verses that you can show to those who adopt replacement theology saying that The church replaces israel and god's through with israel and cast away his people god says no you know he said i will not forsake israel and and he he says when will the ordinance stop when will this promise stop Uh, from you being a nation before me these promises being fulfilled when heaven can be measured when the foundations of the earth can be searched out you know um then I'll cast away the the nation of Israel. In other words, it will never happen. We will never be able to measure the, the depths of the heaven, the depths of the earth. We can guess. I remember when I was in elementary school, they said, oh, the, the, the universe is about four you know, billion light years across. Now they have no idea because we have telescopes and satellites that look deep into space. It's 12, it's 15, it's 20, it keeps increasing. We don't know. We can't measure the the heavens above. And yet the Lord, it's all in the palm of his hand. We can't search out beneath the foundations of the earth how deep and what is there. In other words, the Lord is saying, I will never stop loving you. And these promises are true for you always. And that's good news for you and for me. When will God stop loving you? When we can measure the heavens, when we can understand the depths of the earth, which will never happen. His love is constant, continuing, everlasting, unconditional, you know, unmeasurable. <laughs> That's what that Paul writes, that his love is unmeasurable, unsearchable in the book of Romans. He loves you. And if he's going to keep his promise to Israel, which he's going to do, he's going to keep his promise to you. Don't doubt the love of God and the promises given to you that we read in the scriptures, this new covenant that we belong to, that we get to be with him forever. He's going to take the church and he's going to take us out of here someday. Then the tribulation period, then we're going to come back with him. We're going to rule and reign with him here on. In the millennium reign, and then the heavens and the earth will dissolve, and then we're going to be with him in a new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem. That's our future. He'll never stop loving you, and his promises are true for you. And behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the city shall be built and the Lord from the tower uh, of Hannahel, um, Hannah the corner gate, the surveyor's line shall again extend straight forward over the hill, Gareb, where it shall turn towards Goath. And the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook had drawn, that's right there between the Mount of Olives and the the Temple Mount, to the corner of the horse gate towards the east shall be holy to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or thrown down anymore forever. So in other words, what is being told is uh, um, that all the places that were used for defilement, idolatry, sacrifice and children will be holy to the lord and they will be holy to bring in god glory just as you and i are holy unto the lord bringing god glory so father we thank you we thank you for this lesson this incredible chapter and lord knowing that your promises are true for us and lord if we find ourselves worried soul and tired that we know that you are our satisfaction you're our rest your promises are true for us. We belong to this new covenant. We thank you so much. A covenant of a new heart, a new life, a new relationship that only comes with you, Father, through Jesus Christ and faith in him. And I want to pray if there's anyone who happens to be listening to this teaching that you've never come to Jesus Christ, that he says, come to me and be forgiven. Because the bad news is that the wages of sin is death, but the good news But the gift of eternal life comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And as you understand that he died on the cross for your sins, turn to him. Quit going in the direction you're going because the world won't save you. You can't save yourself. That there is a creator God who created you and sent his son to die for you because of his love for you. Will you come to him? He is your hope, not the world, not a church. Your hope is Jesus Christ, and the invitation is to come and call out to him, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can pray, Jesus, I come and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. I have sinned. You rose from the grave, you're alive. Be my personal Lord and Savior. And I do want to know you. I thank you for this new beginning and a new life and a new heart. And, Lord, just a new new relationship reconciled to the Father. I want to know you and walk with you more and more. Thank you for hearing my prayer and forgiving me in Jesus' name. And listen, if anybody did pray that, give us a call here at the church on, on our website, and you can look it up. We want to talk with you. We want to follow up with you. God bless you. Thank you for listening tonight, for The teaching, looking forward to seeing you on Sunday as we meet at 8.30 and 10.30. Looking forward to our teaching in Matthew's gospel. God bless you. Hope you have a great rest of the week and hope we see you on Sunday.